Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name's Jen A. I'm here in Colorado, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter titled, A Vision for You. We're on page 155. We're going to read the second paragraph. It begins with, when our friend related his experience. And we're going to read that one paragraph only and comment on that one. Today's readers are Teen Thursday. We have Seema P, Joni C, Martha Z, Larry G, Susan SH, Vida S, and Nancy P on our team today. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021, at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 18,000. 285. That's 18285. And 10 a.m. Eastern Standard uh, recording number, the reference number is 18,286. 18286. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. So at A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Susan S.H. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Susan. Good morning, this is Susan S.H. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, <clears throat> to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Well, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. I pass. I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Joni. Good morning. This is Joni C. from um, Minnesota, gratefully recovered but not cured. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Susan S. H. and Joni C. for reading the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions mean and what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you're going to press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our study of the chapter of vision for you in the big book on page 155. We're on paragraph number two and Martha Z is going to begin reading. Good morning, Martha. Thanks so much. Good morning, Jen. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here. Sorry, this is Martha C. 
I'm a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. When our friend related his experience, the man agreed that no amount of willpower he might muster could stop his drinking for long. A spiritual experience, he conceded, was absolutely necessary, but the price seemed high upon the basis suggested. He told how he lived in constant worry about those who might find out about his alcoholism. He had, of course, the familiar alcoholic obsession that few knew of his drinking. Why, he argued, should he lose the remainder of his business only to bring still more suffering to his family by foolishly admitting his plight to people from whom he made his livelihood? He would do anything, he said, but that. So good morning, my friends in recovery. So this paragraph, we've been talking about Bill's first visit to Bob. And if you remember the paragraph before, um, it says that Bob didn't fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. So Bill is, he's starting to relate his experience. Now remember that Bill had been not having any success for six months. He was pulling people off bar stores and telling them about his white light experience. And Dr. Silkworth said, look, you know, you just need to tell them about, about the problem, you know, the disease of the body and the mind. So Bill is doing that. Now, and, and Bob was a member of the Oxford group, so he kind of had the spiritual thing going, but he did not know what the problem was. So this was, this was the importance of that, because you can't really find the right solution until you know what the problem is. And I think I, I found that for myself. Like, I thought I just had a problem with weight. I had no idea about the allergy of the body or the obsession of the mind. And then they were going to tell me that, that selfishness and self-centeredness was really my problem. Like, I didn't have any idea about any of that. And I was not um, I was not getting the solution I needed because I didn't even know what the problem was. So um, let's see. So he, then he's talking about the price seems high. You know, so he's talking about he really doesn't want to admit his problem to his, especially his patients. And he does not want to make amends. And we will find out later, spoiler alert, that this is going to get him in a lot of trouble because he's going to go back out again because he's not willing to do this. And um, anyway, so then they, they talk about the alcohol obsession that nobody knew of his drinking. And I just think that's funny because for most of us, or let's say many of us, we wear our disease. And um, I could be... 10 pounds heavier at the end of a bad week. So anyway, I'm just so grateful for um, especially this meeting and the emphasis on um, really what the problem is and what the solution is so we can get the help we need. Thank you for letting me share, and I I wish you all a blessed holiday. Thanks, Martha Z. So we value everyone's experience here on the line. We ask that you limit your share to every third day in, in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share on the paragraph that was read today? Harlan G. Rachel. Harlan. Rachel, Rachel. K. Gotcha, Rachel. Um uh, <laughs> We have Anne. Sam. So Harlan, Rachel, Ann, and Sam. Who else? 
if I can take Amy, a couple more Amy people. G. Thanks, Amy. Loretta H. Linda G. Gloria K. Loretta. Ginger C. Gloria and Ginger. Let's stop there. Okay. Here's where we're at. Uh, Harlan G., Rachel K., and Sam, Amy, Loretta, Linda D., Gloria, and Ginger C. We'll go in that order. Um, Harlan G., go right ahead. Good morning. Thanks, Jen. Good morning to you, too. And thank you very much for your service. If you could time me, I'd be eternally grateful because I'm out walking me and an owl that's watching me. But anyway, the result was nil. Oh, I'm, I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona. Sorry. The result was nil until we let go, absolutely. Half measures availed us nothing. God either either is everything or he is nothing. What is my choice to be? And Dr. Bob was in the Cyberling Library with Bill Wilson, and Bill is laying out for him the program of recovery. And Bob is doing what I've done. He is making conditions on his recovery. He wants to take it cafeteria style. He'll take this but not that. He'll do this but not that. Now, Dr. Bob was a proctologist. And as a proctologist, he did not want people finding out he was alcoholic. Well, there was only one person in Akron that did not know Bob was an alcoholic, and that was Bob. But he didn't want to go around making amends. And as Sam Shoemaker teaches, there's four impediments to God. In order to recover from my compulsive overeating condition, I must get to a spiritual awakening. And there are four things that will block me or stop me from that quest. Number one, a resentment that I will not let go of, step four. Number two, a secret I will not tell, step five. Number three, a harmful thrill that I will not stop, steps six and seven. And a restitution that I will not make, steps eight and nine. And Dr. Bob was unwilling to make amends. We don't, the Oxford group didn't talk about amends. They talked about restitution. I'll use AA language. He didn't want to go make amends to anyone because he was afraid of losing his practice. I must be willing to transcend from yes, but to yes, sir. I must be willing to accept to the core of my soul I am a compulsive overeater. I am a compulsive overeater, and unless I do this program as it's written, with no exception, I will not recover. Half measures availed us nothing. Recovery is a vending machine. And if a bottle of water is $3 and I put in $2.99, I'm going to get nothing out of it. I must, I'm either in or I'm out. I'm either doing it or I'm not. And there's many instances in this book to teach me this because the book knows to teach by repetition. And that's a very important lesson because as was just alluded to, we're going to find out that Dr. Bob is going to go on one of the biggest busts of his life. And then he's going to do the entire program. And on June the 10th, 1935, 
after having done all of it, he will not find it necessary to drink, and he will die in November of 1950, never having drank liquor in the interim time. Never. Thank you, you, Harlan. Thanks, Jen. Perfect timing. All right. Thank you so much, Harlan G. from Scottsdale, Arizona. Up next, we have Rachel K. followed by Ann. Go right ahead, Ann. Or sorry, Rachel. Oh, thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Kay from Northern California. Um, Yeah, um, why do I have to follow Harlan always, it seems like? Anyway, Harlan, you you said it, you know, so well, but I'll just elaborate on that. But yeah, I, you know, for my own recovery, I have to look at the I'll do anything but what, you know? It's like, what, what is the thing I'm not willing to let go of? And it strikes me as ironic, too, that in, you know, in my disease, oh, there was a lot of stuff that I was willing to do. I was willing to, um, you know, lie to people. I was willing to, you know, throw up in a trash can in my closet and and keep the bag there for days. I was willing to... um, you know, uh, go out at three o'clock in the morning in bad parts of uh, Houston, Texas, uh, to a convenience store to get my food. But God forbid, you know, somebody might find out that I was less than perfect. And when I finally recovered, it was like uh, the feeling that I got of surrender. And I don't know if anybody else has had this experience was, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't care who knows. I don't care. I I got to the point where, and I had weight to lose, um, but I was like, I don't don't even care if I lose any weight. I I hope I do, but you know what? If I never lose a pound, I just want to stop being effing crazy. I just want to stop living like an animal. I want to stop you know, just living in fear. I want to stop being miserable. I want to stop being somebody who, you know, doesn't talk to people, who, you know, breaks up with boyfriends because I'm too ashamed and I'd rather be home alone eating. I just want to stop the crazy. And I would do anything, you know, I moved across the country, I did, and I'm not saying this because I'm so wonderful, I'm saying this because I was a low, low, low bottom addict, and this is what it took for me, you know, I was willing to stand on the corner in San Francisco in a sandwich board and said, you know, I I am a compulsive overeater, and I've moved here to stay with my friend, you know, I didn't have to do that but I didn't care. I was willing to do it. I took a leave of absence from my job so that I could get well. That That's me. That may not be everybody, but I had to be willing to do whatever it takes. And if it didn't work, it was like, well, at least, at least I, I tried. I went out with a bang because it just got to the point where I, I couldn't live like I was anymore. I just couldn't live. And I, uh, and I hope somebody is timing me. Um, and I, I have to look at that today, even though by the grace of God, I've been out of the food for about 21 years. I have to look at the character defects and I'm like, no, I won't give up that. You know, I, I'll be dependent on God, but for my financial security, mm, I'm going to hang on to this little piece of higher power that's, Fine, that's the almighty dollar. 
Um, thank you. I'll pass. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for doing service on this meeting. Have a great day. Thanks, Rachel Kay from California. Up next is Ann M. and then Sam S. Good morning, Ann. Hi, Jen. This is Ann M. here, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ireland. Can I be heard okay? Yes, ma'am. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thanks for your service, Jen. Thanks for a great meeting. Um, yeah, love, like the first speaker shared, you know, it's really putting the problem and the solution into one paragraph here for me, which is so powerful. And uh, yeah, just love the parts as well where, you know, it is where we identify in. And uh, I was told, you know, by a speaker that, you know, the purpose of this book was for me to identify in, not to identify out. And uh, it really just sums it all up here. You know, when it says no amount of willpower, which is our problem, really, it's power. Lack of power is our dilemma. And no amount of willpower he might muster. You know, it's just there was nothing. I knew that for me. There was nothing in me that could stop me from picking up. And uh, I knew it was a miracle. I knew it. But I thought it was a miracle for to remove the food, you know, the obsession, the allergy. I had no idea about anything else, about my, my spiritual malady. And that was my main problem. You know, and I love where it says, you know, we could stop could stop his drinking for long. You know, it's that part where it's shared before in many meetings, you know, we can't stop from starting, which is our mind. And once we start, we can't stop, which is the allergy. And you know, it is it is the solution part here, spiritual experience. It's the only solution. And that's the result of doing the step work. Um, and I to summarize it for me sometimes it's keeping it really short and simple. You know, I have a problem. I can't resolve it myself. It's lack of power. And the only the only solution is a power greater than myself. And how do I do this? And how do I find it? And it is the step work. Step one, two, and three is really acknowledging my problem, knowing my solution, and signing up that I'm going to do the work to find this solution. And my step four to nine is really just the, you know, the unblocking. And my step 10 is to continue that unblocking process. And, uh to connect with this channel, this higher power deep within myself, which is all and solve all my problems, which is certainly true for me today. And uh, yeah, I love that word conceded. It's just much more than just, you know, an acknowledgement or an acceptance. It is deep down, as like Carlin spoke about, the core of my being, the core of my soul. I have to know I am absolutely beaten, doomed, lost, gone. And the only solution is a power greater than myself. Yeah, and I can identify as well with the parts, you know, by being having shame around this disease and, you know, all of that. But I have to remember that part on page 89. My only aim is to be helpful, to share this with people that, you know, that need this program, that, 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 that are suffering in this disease. And once I have that, and that is my main aim, that is, you know, that is all that is required of me. So with that, I pass. Time, and please. thank you so much, oh. Jen. Have Perfect. A Thanks so much, Ian. That's on M from Ireland. Up next is Sam S. followed by Amy G. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Jen. Thanks for leading. Good morning, everybody. I'm Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, what I really identify with our friend here is um, living in constant worry about what other people think and assuming that I know what's going to happen with me. I am not the type of girl that thinks of the uh, – sunny side up. I am not the kind of girl 
that thinks that everything will work out. I'm a morbid self-reflection kind of girl, and I think that I know what's going to happen, and it's always the worst-case scenario. It is always this extreme idea of what are people going to think of me, what are they going to do. It's me, me, me. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. And it it really kind of brings me to the question of do I really think that God can do this? Do I think that God can change the way that I think and, and what my priorities are? And I'm, I'm a girl that my value and worth very often when I'm in fear or when I'm resentful come from people. And that will never work out. It has to come from God. Um, I just, I, I, I just can so relate to the expectations of this is going to happen if I do this. This is going to happen if I do that. And I have no idea. Um, it really reminds me of when I did my amends and being really afraid to go to people and having to understand that I needed to really trust and rely that God was going to protect me because I didn't know what people were going to say or not say or do or not do. Um, and I really, I, I couldn't depend on that. I had to depend on, do I want this spiritual experience? Do I want a relationship with God? Do I want freedom? Um, and I did. So I went and I did it. Um, asked God to take my hand and, <laughs> you know, I had my sponsor's hand uh, in the other one and uh, just really grateful. So it's just a good reminder to me that I need to set aside everything I think I know about people, recovery, God, and the steps so that I can have an open mind and a new experience because my experiences are it's not a fun movie to watch when it's in my head. So grateful to be here. Grateful to be um, in recovery today. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Sam. S. Up next is Amy G. Followed by Loretta H. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. Hey, Jen. It's Amy G. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm having trouble. Go right with my ahead. Ears. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Thank you, my friend. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. You know, I, too, want to touch on this idea of the power of identification. And it is awesome because it can bring hope to a person. But to me, it also can only plant a seed because I can agree that I I can identify in like Dr. Bob did. And I can admit that I am a, a compulsive eater. But unless I act, then nothing is going to happen. And And so clearly in this paragraph, we see the revelation of the mental obsession and how powerful it is. It says in step uh, one in the AA 12 and 12 that we have warped our minds with such a, you know, such an obsession for destructive eating and drinking that only an act of providence, an act of working these steps can relieve us of it. And here we see his thinking, his thinking, which is, you know, he's worried about what other people are going to think. He's worried that, uh, that they're going to know about his drinking and that by foolishly admitting his plight, that that would cause more problem. That doesn't sound like sanity to me. And, oh, by the way, he didn't think few knew of his drinking. Well, how do you think Bill found him? You know, a clergyman told him what was going on. I mean, to me, it was no revelation to so many people that I had a problem when I finally admitted that I had the problem. And it turned out by admitting my problem and taking the action of working these 12 steps, that that was the thing that saved my life as opposed to not wanting to do it. So my thinking was warped. I couldn't differentiate the true from the false. I thought that the life I had and the way I was thinking was the only way I could save me. Turns out my thinking was killing me. And in this program, we act our way into a new way of thinking. We don't think our way there. 
As a matter of fact, my sponsor used to say to me, if you're thinking about something really, 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 really strongly, then you need to go in the other direction because your thinking is taking you the wrong way. And that always proved to be the truth because I don't know about you all, but when it came to my compulsive eating, no matter what my will, no matter what my knowledge, no matter what my experience, that I would always give myself permission to think that putting that binge food in my mouth was the best idea I had all day. And so that's the mental obsession at its core, and it's revealed here that we are powerless without a power greater than ourselves, without this program, for me, for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Amy G. from Maryland. Up next is Loretta H. Morning, Loretta. Good morning, Jen the Gem. This is Loretta H. Recovered. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and thank you, everyone on this line who saves my life every morning, and I'd love to share it. Uh, that he wouldn't be found out, the spiritual experience. I've been anorexic, so nobody really knew, but everybody did know. Um, especially with my eating habits, um, when I ate in front of people or uh, with the things that happened to me during the years of my um, disease, like car accidents, um, I was raped. I mean, there's just going out to run at 3 o'clock in the morning because I ate something. People knew. But I had to go to that bottom before I could Sincerely, and as I share with everybody, I wanted to pull that mattress down in January of 2021. I'm sorry, 2001. And I I met a woman, and she basically saved my life. And at that time, you know, I did not, I was an agnostic. But I read this morning, and this is what's so important for me. Our 12th step, carrying the message, is the basic service that AA Fellowship gives this our principal aim and main reason for existence is this work. And that's from the language of the heart. And I have to do this work to save my life. And so, like, even though it seems like you're giving so much to somebody else, you are getting so much. And Dr. Bob states that, a sense of duty. It's a pleasure because in so doing, I'm paying a debt to the man who took the time to pass it on to me because every time I take out a little insurance against that first possible slip. And that's why Loretta, we lost you. Loretta H. Chris Sarwan. Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, we lost Loretta from North Carolina. Oh, there you are. Yep. I'm we sorry, guys. Yep. I, I got, okay. yeah. So, oh, thank you. So anyway, I just, uh, uh, I am so grateful that when I'm in trouble, especially when I'm in trouble, that I try to help another alcoholic or food, you know, food person, because this is what keeps my existence alive. And, um, I just, lately I haven't been feeling good, and the only thing I need to do right now is to help others so that I can exist today. And that sounds so selfish, but it, it is what it is, and it's about the unity. It's that three-step stool, you know, that, um, and 
it's just I I must do this and I must do this with a higher power believing that this is going to work and with that I pass thank you thanks Loretta H from North Carolina up next we have Linda Deer D followed by Gloria let me tell everybody where we're at Linda um, we're on the chapter of vision for you we're on page 155 we're starting off with that second paragraph when our friend related his experience. We're reading that one paragraph and commenting on that only. Go right ahead, Linda D. Hi, Jen. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Hmm. I am uh, astounded to be um, recovered for a while. And it's not going to last Unless I realize today I was given a gift. The gift is I was given life. And what am I going to do with it? Am I going to come from a place of fear? Or am I going to come from a place of love? I pick love. I've tried fear. We've all tried fear. And we know what happens. You end up wishing, like me, that you could hang yourself Maybe you didn't go that far. I did. Um, so what happened? Well, God intervened. No, that's not a word I want to hear. From the beginning, I don't want to hear God, 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 God. That's all you people talk about. You talk about it because it's the only thing that works, or he or she. And I'm here. I'm God-centered. I don't have to guess if God is real. I know God is real. And that's not because I'm a goody-goody or I'm special. I'm damn good because of God. I'm special because God made me special, and so are you. But I won't know it again today unless I do the work, which is participating in love. First, receiving it from someone else is, you know, prime the pump. And then I got learned through the book, through all of you, and every day from you, how to give and receive love unconditionally to myself and other people. It is a thrilling, thrilling ride. Get in the boat. It is worth the trip. I pass. Thanks so much, Linda D. Up next is Gloria, followed by Ginger. Good morning, Gloria. Good morning. This is Gloria Kay from uh, South Florida. Oh, wow. I love this. I love reading the big book, especially A Vision for You, that part. And I want to thank everybody on the vision today. Um, for me, what stands out, the whole thing is God, a spiritual experience he concluded was absolutely, absolutely necessary. Um, that That just, you know, brings to my soul that um, that the only way I can stay abstinent is to be connected to my higher power, God, at all times, because my disease is doing uh, push-ups, so I need, to, I need to be there with God, and by the grace of God, um, I, I, I listen to the vision. I'm, I may only listen for a half an hour now or pick it up later, but I listen every day for at least a part of it, and uh, I, I really treasure you all for, <clears throat> for putting in your time <clears throat> and effort to, <clears throat> excuse me, keep this, keep, keep away strong. 
Thank you. Love you guys. Bye. Happy holidays. Thanks so much, Gloria Kay from Florida. Up next is Ginger C. Good morning, Ginger. Hey, Jen. Good morning. This is Ginger C., a real compulsive overeater in Colorado, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, wow, this one sentence. Um, he told how he lived in constant worry about those who might find out about his alcoholism. Isn't that so incredibly codependent? And I think for all of us addicts, we have this deep peace within me. And this is why I wear so many masks and I show up trying to present to you because God forbid you leave me or hurt me or walk away or reject me. I'm so dependent upon you and what you think about me. And what freedom we get to finally find authenticity, to finally come home like the prodigal son to me and to love me the way God has always seen me. And stopping eating, that's not hard. Finding out why you ate, that's the real work. And I'm not talking about the doctor's opinion. I'm talking about the pain that lies down deep, dormant within. Because that is what I have done since I was a little girl. I had tremendous pain. I didn't know how to be in my skin. I didn't know how to be in this world. I had all these messages that I was receiving. And I just wanted to escape. And food was my best friend. I found it early, and I had it for a long time until, of course, it stops working because it's a disease that's out to kill me. But I'm so grateful, so grateful how we get to continue a day at a time perfectly peeling with this God. Because when I continue coming home and I'm no longer neatly evading and ignoring the truth, the hurt that lies within this body, then I get good with God and I find my esteem, my affection, my love, my approval because I know that God loves me and I feel that finally. And most importantly, the most beautiful thing is I get to be of maximum usefulness to all people because when I'm right with God, I'm right with you. And my heart stays soft and it stays open. And then God, whoever puts whoever God puts in front of me today, I have a really great opportunity to be awake and alert and follow through and help that person. So, so grateful to be with you all. Again, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Ginger C. from Colorado. All right. So let me tell everybody where we're at. We're on page 155, the second paragraph in the chapter of Vision for You. When our friend related his experience and we're on that one paragraph, who else would like to share today? Kelly G. Kelly G. Katie G. Katie G. Katie G. Mm-hmm. Colleen. 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 Was it Colleen M? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Colleen. I'm sorry. Was it started with a D? Sharon P. Oh, Sharon. Sharon P. Woo. Hello. Thank you, Sharon P. <laughs> Anyone else? Carmella G. Hi, Carmella. Let's stop there. We get a couple more people in at the end. That'll be great. All right, Kelly G, Katie G, Colleen M, Sharon P, and Carmella G. Take it away, Kelly. 
Hi, Kelly G, recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. I love how this passage paragraph says that there's no amount of willpower he must muster could stop his drinking for long. And for me, you know, this whole year for me has been in relapse and I finally got recovered recently. And there, you know, there were points where I couldn't keep a sponsor. I couldn't keep the food down. And then I said, you know what? I really need a break. I need a break from these meetings. I need a break from getting a new sponsor. And I just started following my food plan. I got a trainer and I sort of got into this rhythm and I had three weeks of abstinence doing that. And I was like, you know what? This is really, this is really good for me. And that only lasted so long until I couldn't commit to even having the time to work with a trainer because I was in the food. And, you know, it was so embarrassing that I couldn't be consistent with, with my food. Think about before COVID, I went into my office and I was the one who weighed out everything. But this time around, meeting out with people, you know, working from home, there's one time where I would choose the restaurant and gorge. And then there's other times when I'm weighing out my lettuce with the same people. And it just makes no sense. And I wear this disease so heavily and so strong. And I have this scenario um, where I don't really post anything on social media this past year, nothing new. I do have it for work. And um, I live in an apartment building, and there was someone in my building who friended me. And I was really embarrassed because it's like, this is how I look now. And the way I look on the social media is a little bit different before relapse. And anyway, he had friended me on Facebook and I ran into him and I was at the gym and I saw this trainer he was working with. I said, oh, I'd love for you to train me, even though I know a personal trainer. I just don't like the gym and I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, he goes, yeah, I saw you. I saw you on your Facebook and, and you look really different. And I was like, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been really sick. And that was my truth is just I was so afraid that I was going to be found out. I was so afraid that people would know. And then I was trying to think of what disease I can say I have, which obviously a compulsive overeater does not sound like a good excuse. But it was like it was true. I, I wasn't lying. I was really sick. And, um, you know, and everything changed. I let my shoulders down and I said, you know what? It was such acceptance. Like, yes, this is how I am. I'm, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is the skin I'm in right now. And I'll tell you one thing. I am not anywhere close to where my body was before at a healthy body weight, but I feel so good inside that it's like I know my body will catch up. And this time around, after having eight years of abstinence and now only having time, please. a month and change. Oh, sorry. I just want to say that I feel so much better now than I did before. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Kelly G. Down in Florida. Up next is Katie G. Up in Boston. Go right ahead, Katie. Hey, Jen. <clears throat> Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Um, you know, this is telling me that um, I don't get God. I don't get a spiritual experience if I have any contempt prior to investigation, right? What is our spiritual experience? Well, it's in the back of the book. And there's one thing that can cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that is my contempt. That's my saying, I'm going to do anything but this. I'm going to do anything but that. 
you know, and I want to say, you know, as a recovered compulsive eater, I am not cured. I've been asleep, dreaming, I've been awake. You know, like I can talk about having a spiritual experience, but am I willing to allow others to know that God is my answer? Am I willing to set aside everything I think I know? You know, recently what this book has been showing me is that I need to grow in understanding and effectiveness, that the big book is just the beginning for me. The big book is, you know, just the beginning. And if I do not, if I fail to enlarge and perfect my, my spiritual life through self-sacrifice and helping others, I'm going to die. And so I need to remember, like, just because I can say ED after recover, I don't mean nothing. What are my old ideas that are holding me back today? Who am I not willing to offer love and tolerance? Am I willing to ask God, how can I be tolerable today? God, show me. The solution for our problem is love and service, right? I got to love God with all my heart, and then I got to help others. And you know, there's no hiding. This this paragraph is, is telling me over and over again, God is my solution. And so today, you know, I <clears throat> I don't need to hide that I'm a compulsive eater. There is no shame. I have like five big books all around my house. And now I have, you know, a big, big book all around my house. And I'm learning about the origins of AA and God and Um, I'm going deeper because I have to go within to get God. That spiritual experience, I go within. If I do not go within, as one of my teachers says, I will go without. So I need to keep asking myself, as a recovered woman today, who cares? Who cares? Who cares if I'm going to lose the remainder of my business? If I continue to be in prejudice, my old ideas, which are anything up until five minutes ago, I'm going to eat. Eating's going to be a step up. I must have God. And please, God, help me set aside everything I think I know for a much-needed new experience in you. Amen. Thank you, Katie G. From Boston, up next is Colleen M. followed by Sharon P. Go ahead, Colleen. Hey, Jen. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Thanks for everyone on the line. I'm Colleen M. from Maryland. And, uh, wow, this is just meeting has really hit me where I'm at today and uh, you know I've had the food down for several years now but um, uh, my ego and my desire to run the show is you know something I battle every day and what I'm working on what I my higher power is working on with me right now is to be completely honest with myself about what and who I am and where I'm at, because I want to look good to everyone, and I want to be that person who's fine, always fine. I'm doing great. Uh, I am, I am definitely a uh, codependent, and I have an addiction to busyness. So going to help others is right up my alley. If I can stay busy, I don't have to think or feel. So I have to give to people today for the right reasons. I cannot have any expectations. I have to make sure I'm in fit spiritual condition to give because I've caused harm by giving from a place where I had nothing really to give of. So um, 
I, I just feel my higher power, like everyone else has said, softening my heart, digging up these roots, uh, these old ideas that do not work for me anymore, that I did not even know were running the show for me. Um, I just am, you know, getting closer and feeling a closerness to my higher power that I've had haven't had in many, many, many years. Um, it, it's great. I have a long way to go. I know I'm in it for the long haul. And, um, you know, it's this meeting and, and people that are committed to recovery that have, have helped me. And I, I meet God with skin on them. I, I, I just do. And I, I need to reach out and be connected with other people who are doing the work. So um, with that, I'll pass. Everybody have a happy holiday. I'll look forward to hearing you tomorrow. Thanks, Colleen. All right, up next is Sharon P. followed by Carmela G. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi, this is, this is Sharon P. from Florida. I am a compulsive overeater in recovery for the past 45 years in this program. And it's only recently that I have been listening to this wonderful meeting every morning. Um, I'm really delighted to be here. And it seems that the more, the longer I'm here, the more I need. And um, this first time I'm sharing on this meeting, so I'm a little bit nervous, even though I've been around a long time. I have to tell you that the last line of this set, of this paragraph is what really got me because there's a big word next to it that says me. He would do anything he said but that. And that was me when I first came in. You know, I knew at my very first meeting that I was home, that I belonged in this group, but I was not willing to do what they told me. And that was all about God. You know, I thought about the God of my childhood and I said, I don't see how God is going to help me with my food. That's ridiculous. That's quote unquote my line. And so for many years, even though I kept coming back, I suffered on again, off again, abstinent, relapse, abstinent, relapse. It took a lot of years. And then one day, I guess I finally just surrendered. And I became willing to look at this God possibility, especially since they said, it said in the book here, you know, the God of my understanding. And so from that point on, my recovery has grown and grown to the point where I am a totally different person. Of course, I was young then and I'm old now, but that doesn't matter. Um, here's the line that I got from, from the acceptance um, chapter, which I just would like to end with because it's so true for me today. I have long-term abstinence. I also have long-term sobriety. And um, this line tells it all for me. It says, acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However, it turns out, that's God's will for me today. And that's how I live today. And thank you guys for letting me share. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much. Please share again. Great to hear your voice. We love new voices. Thanks, Sharon P. from Florida. All right, Ms. Carmela G., you're up next. Thank you so much, Jen. My name is Carmela G., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, recovered for this day from New York. 
Thank you, everyone, for being on the line, all the shares, and all of those who are just out there listening, walking the road with me. I read the line after the, um, the reader read it, and I realized, in disease, the mask that I wore, I said, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care. If I want to eat, I want to eat. The mental confusion, the disease of the mind had me so obsessed with not acknowledging my 315 pounds, thinking that a lovely suit and a silk blouse and the proper manicure would cover that weight. And I never wanted to be found out. No one could ever know the inner feelings that I had of insecurity. I was walking the halls mm-hmm. and saying good morning to my staff. And they'd say, how are you? Fine. And the fear of ever being found out lived forever within me until I realized I had power greater than I who loved me just the way I was and knew everything within my heart. And I surrendered to that power. And this day, I walked. Joyfully, not just happy, but joy, joy within. And I wish all of you joy during this beautiful season. And thank you all for allowing me to share. I pass. Thanks, Carmela G. All right. Well, we have about uh, one minute on the clock. Is there anyone who'd like to pipe in for one minute and take us out? You haven't shared? Well, thank you to everyone who shared today, Uh, the new people that shared, um, the old voices, too. We welcome everybody. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Let me tell you what the share ID is for today, so grab a pen if you want to write this one down. It's Thursday, December 23rd, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The share ID number is 18,290. That's 18290. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will my friend Larry G. please read a vision for you? Thank you. My name's Larry G., and I'm from California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Throw away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find joyous. We shall be with you in the fellowship of spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.